Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Friday, April 14th. Dave Neal here, stand-up comic, Bachelor Nation news, but we got Love is Blind news, and we've got Vanderpump news, all the pop culture for you on this afternoon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bachelor Rush Hour. dancing give me a little bit of that gyrate in that seat on your drive home who got their bonuses today who stole the company stapler metaphorically speaking hope everyone's doing fantastic on the last day of the work week here your boy dave neal coming to you with some content all over the place like i said we've got a update on the Vanderpump scandal called Scandival. Plus, today is the finale of Love is Blind. I'm not going to give you any spoilers in case you haven't watched yet. No spoilers, but what I will do is share with you guys an interview I conducted with Dr. Diane Strakowski, back to love doc on Instagram, our resident psychologist who joins us to discuss all of the contestants on this season of Love is Blind, who may last, who may not, uh, the toxic trait and the positive traits that make the relationships work or not work. By listening to that interview, I'm telling you, whether you follow Love is Blind or not, you're going to get something out of it because we can always learn about ourselves and improve. All right. Along with that, uh, Caitlin Bristow, star of The Bachelor Empire, Caitlin Bristow, CEO, president of Spade and Sparrow's Wine, and creator of all things gossip and drama here, uh, actually had Katie Maloney on her podcast. You might say, who the hell is Katie Maloney? Katie Maloney is one of the stars from the Vanderpump Rules show. And how could I best describe Vanderpump Rules for those that don't watch is it's a show on Bravo. That's a spinoff of one of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I believe, which is Lisa Vanderpump. Do I have that right, my friends? I've never watched any of these shows any of them. But I got to tell you, Vanderpump Rules uh, basically exists. There's about a dozen or so cast members that all work in restaurants. I guess they started out as waiters, busboys, bartenders, whatever. But now, you know, they've obviously grown a lot in the decade plus of having the show. And they have also all slept with each other. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, Ariana was dating Tom uh, uh, Sandoval. But before that, you know, there's cheating scandals. And of course, the current one is it was um, outed that he... Uh, was cheating on his long-term partner, Ariana, with uh, Raquel. Well, here's Katie Maloney, who uh, was married to Tom Schwartz, who was Tom Sandoval's partner, Tom and Tom. Here's what she has to say, explaining the predicament she's in with Caitlin Bristow. Have a listen. So it's relevant. Yeah. It's what's going on. You're on yeah. the TV show. But I do still want to get to know you a little bit better. Four people... That are living under a rock. Me. What are the last 10 years of Vanderpump Rules? Like, what? what is the... Like, if somebody had been living under a rock and you need to explain it to them... <laughs> yeah, if they were in an that? Amish cult. Like oh. me, and, and I haven't watched... <laughs> no television. I they, oh. they just leave I their Amish I want to go all the way back and it's, start. It's Rumspringer, and I'm talking to some... <laughs> okay, no? <laughs> What's that? What's Rumspringer? Yeah. Oh, you guys don't even know what Rumspringer is? It's like the spring break for Amish people. Either way, I'm also guilty of jumping on the bandwagon here. People have said this, Dave, why are you jumping on the bandwagon of Love is Blind? Oh, I don't know, because there's no news in Bachelor Nation. I picked a weird time to create a Bachelor Daily podcast. No, it was it's perfectly fine. But uh, Bachelor Nation right now, it's like in the 
the old Western when you go to the ghost town and tumbleweeds, you know, roll by and you just hear, you know what I mean? It is desolate out there. There's nothing. What do you want? The breaking news would be that Katie Thurston's going to Coachella. You know what I mean? So either way, we are joining the Love is Blind drama this weekend, which by the way, uh, I know that I know we're talking Vanderpump here. Love is Blind is different. But by the way, uh, Love is Blind will have a live reunion at 8 p.m. East Coast, 5 p.m. Pacific. Now, I don't know how long that reunion is going to be. It might be an hour. It's probably going to be two hours immediately following the reunion. I mean, a minute after the reunion ends, we're going to fire up the live stream and we're going to do a little live chat. So if you're on the Love is Blind crew, you got to get to YouTube, subscribe, all that stuff to my channel, and we will be covering that Sunday evening. So a busy weekend for us here in the Bachelor Nation world. But anyways, let's hear Katie explain what the hell uh, Vanderpump is. Oh, we're like the Amish get to go for like one, you know, like little romp through the. Okay. Oh, I didn't oh. know that's a thing. Okay. Wait, <laughs> what? Oh, she's well versed in Amish culture. Culture. We tried to like throw it out there, and then she yeah. one up to us. Yeah, sure they did. get they get like one like break. I don't know if it's like a weekend or a week no, or whatever. Wait, like they, spring break Amish style. Yeah, <gasps> they get to go like wild. It's like the purge, but they're just gonna have like a soda well, and get I, a hand job. But, uh, <laughs> oh, know? they go. I I watch Breaking Amish. Oh, yeah, on TLC. Yes. Yes, great show. Okay, so basically, if you don't know what Vanderpump Rules is, so essentially it started as basically a spinoff of uh, Real Houses of Beverly Hills. So Lisa Vanderpump, uh, she owned, well, she's owned several restaurants, but she's um, one of the owners of Sir Restaurant in West Hollywood. And I worked there, I'd been working there for a couple years. Along with, you know, a couple of my best friends and our boyfriends were all best friends. And they came to, a, the, you know, a, the staff meeting and they said, we're going to do like a show here with, you know, you, you guys, the staff, whoever's interested. So if you're interested, stick around. We're going to talk to you guys. And me and my friends, Kristen and Stassi, we looked at each other. We're like, oh, <laughs> Oh yeah, we're and so <laughs> we were born for this. Yeah, <laughs> well, because we already had like so much drama, and I know everyone always says that they're like, if we had a show, oh my god. But well, like, restaurant for real. drama is real. I'd worked in the industry for eleven years. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why people really like this show because it is it is so <laughs> specific to that and so accurate. But um, so they sat down and and I talked to Lisa and and Natalie Guillermo, who are you know the other owners of Sir, and they're like, so who you like who do you hate who have you hooked up with who have you dated who are your best friends and so i was just like well you know chris and Stassi are my best friends and our boyfriends are our best friends and we all travel together and we fight and we always break up when we're all hanging out <laughs> and you know one time i made out with peter but then he stopped talking to me because he started dating Stassi. <laughs> And like, they're like, the show writes itself. And they're like, what? Yeah. So basically they're like, all right, lightning in a bottle. Here we go. Yeah. And then we were just all like, all right, like we don't know if this show is going to do well or if it's going to take off, but we may as well just really commit yeah. and, and just go for it because, you know, well, it's, why not? <laughs> it's so perfect because I think a lot of people in their life have worked in the restaurant industry. Yeah. If they don't, they're like mesmerized by it because it really does seem like a real life drama. It is a real life drama. Mm-hmm. There are so many people that like are best friends and hooking up and drama and arguments and it's genius to make a show out of it. The fact that it's been on for 10 years is incredible. Yeah. And you've been on since the get go. Yeah. One of the founding queens of it. Yeah. <laughs> is it Vicki Gunvalson? She's a Real Housewives, like original OC housewife. Yeah. Like she's just been part of the franchise since day one. It's oh. very cool to be one of the pioneers. of. Yeah. Of she, likes ma- to, she likes to remind people. Uh, Every, every, every chance. I love Vicky, but she's like, she's like anytime like then there's like a new housewife or a new friend, she's like, 
You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that phrase? I walked or so I ran. You could r- no, I walked so you could run. There it is. It's yeah. like me in the bachelor world when people are celebrated for having sex. Now I'm like, you're welcome. I had sex. Everybody remember <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. It's true. Kaylin Bristow, uh, she blazed the trail uh, when it came to uh, sex on a TV show. Yeah, Vanderpump Rules. I mean, the restaurant industry, I don't know what it is. Is it the alcohol? Is it the working odd hours, close proximity, the after parties? But yeah, that's how it works. You know, my first job was working in a, um, well, you know, I don't even need get, uh, my first job was working in a like diner kind of restaurant, like a real trashy place. And, you know, trust me, that's the first time I experienced flirting. And there was other girls that worked there and they, you know, next thing you know, we would be uh, trying to trying to scoop ice cream out of the freezer at the same time and all hell would break loose respectfully. So, yeah, your boy can understand. And then once you factor in Los Angeles, it almost uh, like like they said, the show writes itself. Listen, guys, go watch it or don't. But I'm going to be talking about it for a while. I'm adding Vanderpump Rules to the um, to the arsenal of content. You know, it's a way of like uh, diversifying my myself. You know, some people might just be super bachelor loyalist, but you know, not everything's going to last forever. Whether it's Love is Blind or Vanderpump Rules or whatever comes next, anything, here's what I've learned. Here's what works well with me. Anything that's got a parasocial relationship, meaning any Anything that people want to know, the what the Instagram statements are of someone after a show comes out, the it's like it's like the next level of recapping. It used to be once a week I would recap The Bachelor. That's all I did. I'd recap it once a week when it was the off season. I'd go away. I'd come back, and then once I realized that there was a market, which I was actually surprised by, I didn't realize this many people were online. But once I realized there was a market for talking about Bachelor Daily, when someone broke up, when all these other things happened, I realized the real entertainment is the connection in the community that we have as listeners to the show. Um, at, at, you know, because we have a common denominator. We have a, it's like, a, it's like a, be going to Thanksgiving and everyone knowing the crazy uncle. We know who the crazy aunt and uncle are within the community. Now, sadly, what has gone down is Tom Sandoval went to defend himself this week on the Howie Mandel podcast. I shared clips of that all over YouTube. Um, follow not to defend himself, but to to basically let people know why he cheated. And in doing that, it just reopened the wound, uh, which has been about a month, uh, you know, month long process. Um, Tom and Raquel have had to deal with incredible amounts of hate. You might say it's warranted, but you know, really, is it, is it warranted? Like how far can it go? Like, you know, I mean, I get hate from strangers online and I'm not even in this mess. I haven't done anything. I just comment on it. So, um, when, when there's a scenario, like take Greg Grippo, when Greg Grippo was accused by Katie Thurston of gaslighting, which I don't believe he gaslit her. I, I, I don't think she was using the proper gaslighting term, although I don't blame her because so many people use the wrong terms. But I think Greg Grippo was trying his best, uh, you know, to, to navigate a very tough situation. And in that, even defending him people would get just as mad at me as they were at him. And what I've realized is that's just the way we are in society. We're just an angry mob. And if you find out somebody's on the wrong side of the anger that you have, you treat them with just as much, uh, I don't know, uh, malcontent as somebody else. Is that the right word? Either way. So what do we find out today? Breaking news, TMZ, uh, ET, uh, published it first, but uh, I'm going to read the TMZ article. Raquel checks into mental health facility after Scandoval exposed. E.T., who was the first to report this story, says Raquel made the decision with her family to seek treatment. 
What's interesting is she reportedly made that decision before the Scandaval became a thing. Now, whether the timeline, who knows what the timeline is on that, but whether it was because she got caught or because she was, I don't know, um, maybe ostracized from the community, who knows? Will Sandoval and Raquel even be welcome back on the show? You know, at some point you look at it and it's like, it's one thing to get caught cheating. It's another thing to lose a friend or trust or all that. But then when you also factor in the audience, and their beliefs, it's like, look, no one, no one needs to have their mental health wrecked from this. My guess is she'll, you know, learn something about herself in the facility. Everybody needs therapy. And we just hope that it all works out for her. Speaking of therapy, guys, let's get right into it. I've got this interview with Dr. Diane Strakowski. We talked yesterday and I posted the interview to my YouTube. It's a full 33 minutes long. I'm just going to share a clip with you guys. Give it about 10 minutes. If you enjoy the conversation, you can go listen to the rest of it on YouTube. But you, well, you know what? Should I just give you the whole thing here? Uh, you know what? I'm going to give you the whole thing here. That You've earned it. It's a Friday. Decide if you want to listen or not. Here's my full interview with Dr. Diane discussing Love is Blind. Again, no spoilers here. We recorded this before the finale, but here is a certified, uh, licensed psychologist diving into the complex relationships. And I ask her the question, is love blind? Her answer, she says it's a little blurry, which I think I can agree with. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my chat with Dr. Diane. Ladies and gentlemen, so excited today for longtime guest of the show, maybe the number one guest we've had uh, by now, Dr. Diane Strakowski. How are you? I'm great, Dave. How are you? I'm I'm wonderful. It's nice to have some non-bachelor news to talk about. Love is Blind uh, finale is uh, today. We're recording this the night before on Thursday, but uh, uh, are, is love really blind? That's the question. And I'm going to like defer to um, Shake. I think it's blurry. Love is blurry. Yes. You know, when I was watching Shake, there's a million things you cannot like about the way he sort of talked about his relationship. Again, this is a few seasons ago, but he kind of called it out. Love's not really blind. And, right. I mean, you, you pick somebody that you kind of can reflect your like, uh, I don't know, that, that you see beauty in and then and then the rest has to also fall in place. I think, you know, they have a tagline just recently on Love is Blind, something like falling in love is easy, which I agree. It's the hard part. It's the getting married part. It's it's all the rest that comes after that. But um, I think there's some good things to the show. I like some things about how it's laid out. Yeah. So Love is Blind, Bachelor, these types of shows, they have to have an environment that's conducive for love, which means no nothing else. It means no social media, no jobs. The can can you and I don't know if this is something you you cover, but can you talk about like what what the dopamine uh, dump might be when you hear somebody because they're 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 blind, so they're almost projecting what they want the other person to look like. Is that a good thing? Okay, so I'm going to just clarify, Dave. The use of the word projection is not correct here. Thank you. So, um, projection truly. What does projection mean, Freud? the father of therapy said projection is a defense mechanism when I feel something and I project it onto you like a movie theater. Okay. So for example, a projection would be I'm cheating on my partner and I feel guilty about that, but I project onto you that you're cheating. Okay. So I would say, Oh, who is she? Oh, what are you doing? Instead of owning my own stuff, I project it onto you. Gotcha. Okay. 
That's not what's happening in the pods. What's happening in the pods is I only have one mode of information of my five senses. I only have auditory, right? So I'm going to rely on auditory more and I'm going to create a fantasy of who I think you are based upon what I hear. And then I start creating a name and a face. I start dreaming about you, thinking about you, but it's more fantasy. And we could say fantasy projection than projection in a defense mechanism. Yeah. I've read recently that our eyesight is like our greatest sense so much more. And of course, if you're blind, you can, you, you, you naturally can hear better, smell better, all these other things, but with taking away their eyesight, that is like only having a part of the coloring book out and you're just hoping to draw in the right areas. So, uh, but thank you for correcting me on the projecting, but yeah, it is connecting dots that might not be there. And I just think normally, say we were all at a bar, you would just quickly see all of the potential suitors. And then from there, what you would almost pass that level so quickly that from there, all of the other things fall into place. So it's almost like, and we when we go back to Bachelor, when Zach on Bachelor took away sex in the fantasy suite, he made everything about sex. By taking away the idea of physical attraction, it almost made everything about physical attraction, which made it more messy when everyone got to meet the other people they said no to. Because now they're going, oh, shoot. They're like almost reimagining if that could have worked if they chose the wrong person. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's a lot going on here. I also think that when they say falling in love is easy, I do think that if anybody out there is dating and we know that dating is hard, it sucks. Um, that's why people sign up for these shows, right? Because if I'm going to swipe till eternity with no outcome versus go on a show and end up with a spouse in four weeks, Hey, maybe that sounds good, but people take all of this energy, they do give up their phone, like on the batch. Okay. You gotta go all in. So I appreciate that. This is the people season four. We have more people in their 30s. I really like that, right? We've got Brett and Tiffany and Kwame and Chelsea. All of them are in their 30s. And those are people who are a little bit more ready, shall we say? And I love on the show, Dave, that everybody lives in the same place. Yeah, that's obviously huge. Takes Most away the influencer, move to LA type of mentality. Absolutely. So I think they're doing some things well. And I do also think that the factor of competition, right? When you talk about dopamine, what gets me kind of like excited? What builds my... Uh, you know, my, my energy, my nervousness. It's when now I go back to the pods and, Oh, Chelsea's your first choice too. Well, she's mine. What about so-and-so, right? So there's a little bit of falling in love. You don't know what they look like, but the easy part about falling in love is everybody's having their own little soliloquies, right? I'm telling you a story about me. I'm telling you about my childhood. I'm Marshall talking about my father who was harsh all I have to do on the receiving end is say, oh, honey, baby, that's hard, right? And that feels so good because you've gone so fast in the process, right? I'm bearing stuff that I wouldn't bear on first dates and we're going deep fast. Yeah. Now, 
why it's hard then in the real world is because you also require things of me. It's not like I'm just telling a story and you're listening. Now we're in a relationship and that's different. But falling in love in the pods, because I've met cast from season two. I went to Chicago, met a few of them. They all say you really do fall in love. Sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Right? You're all in. You have no other distractions. You're having these long complex conversations. You're just moving at glacial speeds that every day in the pod feels like a month in real, in the real world. Yeah. It's in, 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 on all the different dating shows, they do have the sort of like how to fall in love on steroids. How do you do this in two weeks? Well, you take out every other sort of distraction. I guess I just wonder sometimes like the best way to start a fire is to like slowly introduce the wood and slowly breathe onto it, not just like smother it. So I wonder if, if there's any science to falling in love too fast, does it, um, do you paint those red flags quicker versus addressing them? And all of a sudden you're in the stupid they provide, which I always find so like not warming at all. And like, do you pass up those, those chances when you fall in love over a longer period of time to like address the little things? Well, so here's the thing. Do you remember in 2015, the New York times articles, 36 questions to fall in love? No. Okay. You got to look it up. I just Googled it. The New York Times had done a psychological study, or at least it was posted in the New York Times, where there are 36 questions to fall in love. Okay, you sit in front of someone, but the whole idea is like if I take a frog and I put it in him in a boiling pot, you've heard this, he's going to jump out, mm -hmm. right? But if I put the frog in a cool pot and slowly heat it up, you don't even realize. And that's what happens where you kind of build on other questions. So in these 36 questions, you start out with high level questions like if you were to go to dinner with someone famous, who would it be? But as you're getting to the 36th question, it's questions like, if you died today, what would you regret? Wow. And you could see how you're progressively asking these questions. And what's happening in the pods is people, because they have time, they're getting to these questions. And here's the other thing. This is what I'm telling my clients to do. If you want to date, also because we're saying love is not blind, there is a physical element of it. But then ask those questions of your date on the phone in between dates. Very you know interesting. Why? why is that? Right? Why, Dave, is otherwise on a date, I'm distracted by you, right? I'm going to kiss you. We're going to touch. It, it's hard to ask those questions. But when I'm on the phone and we have some distance, I can feel there was another psychological study done that people are more vulnerable in the dark than they are in the light. Wow. Plan your dates in a bar. That's so interesting uh, because, you know, uh, you know, being, living in Los Angeles, we get stuck in traffic for so long that some of the best conversations that I have with my wife is just us uncovering how we were raised, you know, like talking about how we were raised and how we wish our parents would have done this, but they did that. And it's really a product of just us being bored and have nothing else to talk about. So we still talk about those types of things that are like really I'm probably conversations we've never really had with anybody else before. Right. Yes, absolutely. But there's, there is so much that we can get out of asking the right questions and having those, um, creating an environment and a space for those questions to really happen for sure. So we definitely absolutely. see that happening on love is blind. Some people, are able to, I guess, develop their relationship better than others. Who do you think has the best shot at making this thing last? 
hundred percent um Tiffany and Brett. Yeah. They've been hands down my favorite. They're both the most mature couples, right? 36, 37. Yeah. Both of them have but they also have their lives together, right? Um, you know, Brett came from nothing. He is uh works as a designer for Nike, right? He he's got his life together. He knows what he wants. They both dated a lot. Tiffany, she, um, they try to make it look like there's conflict between them, but I don't think there is. I just think their their partnering skills are really lovely together. She says, I'm stressed out. He says, come here. Of course you're stressed out. He comforts her. There's a lot of beautiful moments between these two, bringing in their families and friends. It's just they're my favorite. And also like on an attraction level, they just look like they're meant for each other. They're kind of like just dead on perfect for each other from, from an audience standpoint. But like you said, when you talk to their ability to communicate, it's like home run. Now the opposite of a home run is a strikeout, which looks like Jackie and Marshall, but where on the percentage of fault do you put Marshall versus Jackie? Now I always take the devil's advocate because everyone's slamming Jackie and I'm like, well, okay, she can't be 100% 100% at fault. So like, where do you see uh, their relationship? So David, here's what I think to summarize it. Okay. I I always am neutral. Like there's both people because it's a relationship and both people play in. So here's the rub. And I, I summarize it as this. Both of them trigger each other in a very core way. Okay. Jackie, if you go to her profile on the second page of her picture, she says, and I wrote this down, I won't put up with someone who thinks they're better than me, okay? Won't put up with it. She's a self-made person. She's a dental hygienist. She has a degree in dentistry and anesthesia or something like this. She's also like the center of her family. Her father has cancer. There's a lot going on. I don't think it was a good time for her to be on the show. But when Marshall, who also is soft and kind of sweeter, she's more outspoken, when he says, you're a project, with potential, that is her trigger. Okay. That is the trigger. And we're not recovering from that because that's not implying that she's self-made, that she's worked on herself and saying that you're a project is just fighting words. The other trigger for Marshall, he said he was bullied for being emotional when he was young. Okay. He said that I was bullied and I was made fun of for being an emotional person. She says to him, boss up, man up. That is the trigger. So now we've got two people triggered. And because we know that doesn't work out and now there's been nothing but time and two people wanting to present their side to talk about what's happened. Um, Some people have said that they thought Marshall was controlling because he was like, put the jacket on, right? When they're at Chelsea's party and she's like, leave me alone. And they're both just playing off of each other. And I think it's just not a good mix. It's not. If you were their counselor, if you were their marriage counselor, would you, do you think you could help them make it work? Could you, could they grow from this or is it better off to just like, just, just oil and water, you know? Well, I don't know if I could. I mean, it would take a magician, really. Um, (laughs) I say to people like, listen, I'm no magician. Um, I think I'd have to say to Jackie, Jackie, listen, you thought that you tried something different. You wanted, you 
were hurt when Mar you thought that Marsha was out because you you see that, I mean, she said, and she said to his family, he's sweet and he gets me and he's different, right? She tried to find somebody different than the bad boy, the six foot five tatted guy who she usually goes for, right? Basketball guy, she said. But Josh is more her type. And when Marshall wasn't leading with perhaps the aggressiveness, and she herself said in Mexico, I'm afraid I'm going to flip on you and that's not going to be good. And I think that's what's happening. But I actually hold them both accountable on this. I think Marshall, if you've watched all his videos lately, he's trying to say, I don't need an apology. Um, you know, it takes two. Don't judge us. I think there's stuff there um, where it's more, there's both sides, right? And I just think there's there's a lot for both of them. It would be hard for me to imagine them working. You know, I've been sharing a lot of that uh, saying you have. I don't want to butcher it, but uh, that, that you don't know what flavor tea you are until you drop it in hot water. I keep on saying that. But um, yeah, they face adversity and they yeah. get ugly. Now, um, assuming we take Marshall out of the picture, how does someone like Jackie grow from not needing necessarily a toxic version of love. Like where's the healthy side of that character trait that she has? Well, I don't know about Jackie enough, but I have said that I thought she's more on the attachment style, somebody we call fearful avoidant. There could be some negative childhood experiences that she's responding to with a lot of either anxiety or withdrawal. Like Marshall's saying, what can I do to love you, Jackie? And she said, just love me. But she doesn't really say directly what that means. So Jackie really needs to do some healing. I don't, I mean, she said it herself. I'm not really looking for marriage yet. She went on a show for marriage, right? So yeah. he needs, and because her family's in crisis, I just think this is so not the right time, right? I, I really want her to just take some time, figure herself out, communicate more directly with what she needs, because I think she gives a mixed message, right? Like saying to Marshall, um, just love me is not specific enough to how you need to be loved. So how does it feel as a therapist to watch these, I don't know, gaps in their logic or ability to communicate? Because as a non-therapist, it's frustrating to be like, oh, you guys are close. You're just sabotaging it. How does that feel watching this play out? Oh my gosh, Dave, I can't tell you. I mean, I want to throw popcorn at my TV too. And I <laughs> go, what the, right? Um, I, I'm there with you. It's, and I feel like because there are so many tools to like get in there, it's like you want to fix it and like say, no, wait, do this and do that. And, and I really look at this even like the reunion, like there could be so many opportunities for healing if somebody just called out what it is. Like you triggered him and you triggered her, but two rights don't make a wrong, two, two wrongs don't make a right. Like, let's think about how we could heal this. And if there was that layer of healing, I actually think it would be helpful for the viewers because it's kind of like, you know, there's no trigger warnings. I get all upset about this. And like, I want to know the outcome. Like, was my time worth it? What happened to you guys? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, it's this, the same problem I see with, uh, politics. It's the wanting to dunk on others because your ego is on the line because it's broadcast in front of people. It's like if, a, if someone slapped me privately, I'd be offended. But if they did it publicly, I would have to respond. How am I going to take this? So the reunion will probably, my guess is, lead to not a healthy response from people because it'll be like people like fighting for their image. 
some people were coming out and saying that Chelsea is love bombing Kwame. I don't know about all of that, right? Um, I, I think personally, Chelsea is very eager, right? She is all in. She said it herself. She was lonely. She really loves the idea of him, really wants to bypass this. And they respond to each other. That's what couples do because Kwame's kind of pulling back. He's a little bit more hesitant. She sees him flirting with Micah, right? To me, he doesn't look all in, yet she's kind of negating that. She's kind of like trying to talk him into it. It's going to be great. He's like, the first year of marriage will be hard. She's like, no, it's not. It'll be great. And I just feel like he doesn't feel heard. So to be honest with you, I think this couple with therapy intervention could really benefit more than like the Jackie and Marshall. I think they're just different. But I think Kwame and Chelsea, if there was like a slowing down and a cooling off and finding space for both of them, I would actually have more hope for them. Yeah, it almost felt like Chelsea operated from like a teacher student vibe where she was like, oh, this is how it's going to be. Like, this is how relation." He was like, oh, I have to compromise. She's like, that's what relationships are. And it's like, okay, all right. Like, like well, yeah, right? well, welcome to the club. Um, and then I guess lastly, we've got Zach and Bliss. That's our final couple there. What are your thoughts on them? actually think they're both going to say yes. Wow. I think um, I'm going out on a limb here. I, Zach really, you know, I warmed up to Zach, right? At first, right. He's goofy. I'm a stripper. Oh my gosh, Zach. Um, but he knew that he messed up. And I actually think he handled the breakup with Irina really well. So I also look for the positives. You know, they both said we tried. Irina like put a pillow over her head or something. We tried, it didn't work. And because he knew that Bliss was in the wings and here's the other thing, we don't know about all this timing. We don't know like how many times they met, all the backdrop to that, but they wanted to get her up to speed because other people liked Bliss, right? Like the women liked her. So they wanted to like bring her in that club. And I liked the way Bliss spoke back to her father. Yeah, she absolutely neutral and just, Hey dad. And she's thinking, Hey, you divorced my mother. And are you going to give me marriage advice? But she seemed, I like that they're both nerds, right? They both appreciate each other's intellect. I just feel like there's a lot of nice grouping. Some people said they're not very affectionate. I'm like, that could be, and that's not a reason for it not to work. Yeah. And Bliss, I mean, she obviously felt a little wounded by Zach not initially choosing her, but like on Zach's defense, it's like, come on, I'm looking through a Ikea furniture. I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what I'm talking to. Although Irina, of course, Zach's initial pick immediately over it in the flesh. Was that, do you think because of lack of physical attraction or was it that she lost that safe space to talk without maybe have, needing any sort of like, I don't know, a physical response? Like what, like, how do you think that whole thing, you know, blew up. Dave, one trick, if you ever want to see if a couple is attracted to each other, do you know what you should look for? What's that? Their feet. Okay. Watch a person's feet. Their feet give it away all the time. I watched this carefully. On the reveal, Zach's feet go like this and Irina's butt kind of goes out and her feet kind of go back too. Physically, they were not attracted to each other. Both of them. They needed, I said, in a, they needed an eject button. Like, oops, this isn't it. But he wasn't into her. She didn't match the vision, the fantasy that he had. She immediately was like, 
oh no, right? And she called him a cartoon or something, didn't like the way he wasn't blinking. I mean, this whole thing was awkward. Probably one of the most awkward reveals we've seen. And sometimes when people go awkward, they joke and make fun of things. And maybe Irina, I mean, because she obviously came off very cruel, laughing at situations and being mean girl. And, you know, I guess that comes from an insecurity, maybe but by taking by taking away the blind aspect, it's like now we're here in the flesh. Am I good enough? Um, you know, comparing herself to the other women rather than, I don't know, raise each other up. She kind of just became a mean girl. Exactly. And I I don't know. I can't speak to what's behind that. But um, she did say that, you know, she herself was like insecure about her skin or all these other things. And sometimes it's like, I reject you before you can reject me. So I start like finding fault in you because I don't, it's hard for me to just come out and who wants to say like, I'm not physically attracted to you. So people defer back to these like other you know, less direct kind of ways. It, it wasn't a good look for both of them, but they did call it. And I kind of appreciate that. What I don't want is, you know, we've already seen the deep day story, the choose myself. Like, did we really need to be dragged through this? And because there was someone else, there was bliss waiting in the wings. I think Zach got it together pretty quickly, realized his mistake Privately, he's saying, I'll do anything I can to make this up to you. You've got to trust me. And I think as a couple, then it, it's sort of like they have a conflict to work over is to get over this. And we also know that sometimes they play up these connections to make us think it's a bigger deal than it was. Yeah. You know, I think one of the ways the show could evolve, and maybe they don't want to do this because maybe it, it uh, gets rid of the drama, but when they all meet up for the first time, there should be some like sort of blind vote where like if, if Kwame really does want Micah, then he just puts it on her card. And if she says she wants him and then it's like, all right, well, you both, you know, but it's kind of this like, are you into me? You know, like I'm ready to jump from this if you're ready to jump, but like you don't want to mess up what you already have. Whereas in the real world, you may have a month where you're dating two or three different people and then very quickly in most circumstances, the right guy, the right woman rises to the top. Dave, I'm with you 100%. And yes, they do it for drama. But here's the thing. If I get engaged to you in the real world, we're not going to go to a pool party and I have to be around my ex. (laughs) That's the part that I feel like if the producers really wanted to produce, and it's not even Netflix. I don't know if you know, it's Kinetic Contact. It's a different production team. But If you wanted to produce really healthy couples that made it work, you would put them in a bubble, protect them, and not expose them to other people because there's too much comparing and contrasting. Are you guys having sex? I don't know. Are you? What's going on? Like, do I find your husband hot, your fiance hot? It's too much. That would not be real world. So that creates drama, but it doesn't help the couple. Yeah, you know, it's all, it's it's how I've been explaining Vanderpump rules. It's like if Bachelor in Paradise uh, all worked in the same restaurant and you couldn't date outside that circle. It's like, of course, you're going to expose yourself to so much toxicity. I mean, how nice is it to put on the old fashioned block button when you're done with a relationship? And in these circumstances, they they, they kind of they they make you they they fabricate your world. So it's small enough that you're continuing to tempt yourself or question yourself and all that. Um, And the good news is there's no ghosting. And the bad news is there's no ghosting, right? I mean, it's like you can't, there's no place to hide. And everybody on the shows has said that there's just no place to hide. And this is more like dating than you're ever going to do, right? I mean, it requires a whole different kind of set of skills to make it work. 
Yeah. And in some cases you have the right personality type to, I don't know if it's disassociating or what, but you can like take away that they dumped, that they chose someone else first and they're with you now or whatever the case is, just be able to take that out of your brain and just move forward, which is very hard because we live in a sort of like comparison culture. Um, But we're going to have to get out of here because the show's going to air soon. (laughs) But please join us if you want after the, um, after the live episode or in the following days to see what we got right and um and all so that. Dave let me add one more thing sure. okay I have one other idea about how the show could be better I watch a lot of reality dating shows and I have to tell you I do like the original married at first sight shows with the therapist okay so if I were going to redo these shows absolutely think about the intensity it's one thing to fall in love get engaged even but to be married in four weeks the amount of stress they're under if you got a therapist in there to talk about you know, hey, that's your fiance. Don't be talking to like if you got somebody in there, I really think these shows would would last for the long term. I do. I think we'd have higher success rates. The cast themselves have all talked about wanting to have somebody help them. I think the reunions, we wouldn't be talking about Nick and Vanessa Lachey's relationship again. We'd be talking about like, hey, what happened there? So uh, that's my plug. I just feel like if we did a combination of all these shows, not had this long delay of taping, right? Did more kind of live, even have people voting. You could get people really involved and actually show some good stuff. Some yeah. Good yeah. Because on these shows, like you said, you, you if you see a flaw in the relationship, I, I think you might assume it's the other person's fault versus having a therapist tell you, no, you're doing this wrong or you're, you know, you know, you're triggered or whatever. It's it's hard to it's hard for us to look at ourselves in the mirror and be objective with our own flaws. So when you get on the show, a lot of times you'll see a, someone else's red flag, but it might be something you caused. And, you know, I just for the first time heard this term like twin flames or whatever, where like your partner exposes things in you that you need to work on. These are I'm like Googling these terms. These are all new things for me, but uh, it seems like the show, at the very least, when you get out of it, you learn something about yourself from all of the criticism you receive and whether it works or doesn't. Yeah. And I, I still also want to protect people's mental health. They go on there with good intentions, right? And some people, whether they wanted fame or not, or to find love and um, to get all this negativity and critique. Uh, I mean, it's a lot. You have to be a really strong person to kind of handle that and turn that off. Um, and I, and, and, you know, people on these shows have, have done some, um, you know, some self-harm and that's been difficult to watch. So I, I really do feel kind of protective of these people at the same time. And how right? naive, sorry, how yeah. naive for audiences to think that they do any better. I, I mentioned this the other day in a video. It's like people are snapping in line at Starbucks and you think you're going to do better. Like, let's be objective and understand we haven't been in this position. Yeah. And let's use our terms correctly. Let's talk about what's what's really happening. Uh, a lot of this, as I say, can be described by attachment styles. We have all these other negative words we associate. And I'm so careful about that because if we use, we overuse those words, we think everyone's a narcissist. We yeah. think everything gaslights us. We think everything is a red flag. And then how is the normal person going to go out and date when all you see is danger, Right. There are those people, but even though they're there, the whole question that I ask is, how are you going to deal with it? Okay. You do run into a narcissist. You do have a red flag. What do you do? How do you respond? Is it a red flag you can get over or this is a non-negotiable? Like you have to think about, it's not just spotting those things, but then what to do with it. 
how to handle it, how to then walk away quietly or see if you got it wrong. I've had other people be judged. I'm a narcissist. No, I'm not. I was just advocating for myself, right? So it's very nuanced. And um, and I think we just want to slow down and kind of be careful. Well, we love your take on it. And for everyone out there who hasn't heard Dr. Diane Strakowski yet, you're on Instagram at back to love doc. And anything else we can promote for you? You can find me on reality TV therapy. I also have my own YouTube channel. Um, where I do break these down. And I'm hoping to do a therapist analysis, like if I were the host, how might this be handled differently? Um, because I do want to sort of help people kind of understand it more. But yes, find me on Back to Love Doc on Instagram. And my website is the same name, Back to Love Doc. Amazing. Thanks again for joining us. And we'll have to talk after the reunion to see uh, what other crazy things come about. Yes, perfect. All right, I'll cut it right there. Thanks again. I'll have to, uh, you know, I got to chop. I'll chop up the parts that didn't come out and um, we should have a good full full podcast. I'll have this first thing up in the morning and then I'm also going to have this as like the featured audio for the for the podcast version too. Perfect. Dave, thank you as always. I love this show. I'm only bummed that like we don't have more you know, successful couples, really, because I think at some point, like The Bachelor, you just get the the good intentions at the start get watered down over time. And then you get people just wanting fame, right? Yeah, it's the, just a the shame. people that want to be on the people that don't want to be on the show are probably the ones that would be good on it and vice versa. But yeah, yeah. I love Bachelor data even to th- chime in because like they used to get I mean, Danielle, who I know, and and Ayana, they, you know, they used to get a half a million followers. And now it's like, you're not getting that anymore. Yeah. So, and you got to figure out the platform and blah, 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 all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, um, we'll see how it all goes down, but yeah, this, uh, it's, I think this, it'll be, I think it'll be a busy weekend, especially after this, or I should say early next week, once Sunday night happens, I think we'll have several days worth of content, depending on how it all comes out. I absolutely think the same. You know, I was going to chop this up for you guys, but I felt like, why not? Let's give you the bandwidth you want. There it is. If you enjoy this content and want to leave a tip, you can go to patreon.com slash Dave Neal and join the membership only community. Some people are weird about that. There's also the Venmo. You can go find that on our Linktree, LinkedIn, excuse me, linktree.com slash Dave Neal. Well, that's going to do it for me this week. And I'll be back with you guys on Monday on the YouTube. I'll probably have some content for you this weekend as we are going to have a busy reaction to Love is Blind and whatever other news is out there. Appreciate all your support. Have a fantastic one. We will see you on Monday. Goodbye, everybody. I've been Dave Neal. This was Bachelor Rush Hour. Bachelor Rush Hour.